know what's fantastic? You're here. And we're, I'm excited to be here with you. And I need to share something with you to give a little context of this morning walking in from just arriving last night back from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, today we're talking about living transformed and what the gospel of Christ does and how it transforms us. So for six months now, my brother Greg, my older, older brother Greg, um, is married to Laura, his wife, who I had the joy of officiating their wedding almost 10 years ago this December. So she's 51, he's 49. But what you need to know, what's sensitive and delicate, is that she had a rare form of cancer. Very aggressive, went very quickly. Nothing they could do about it. And uh, this weekend, yesterday, we had her celebration of life service. And she passed away two Thursdays ago. And just to give you a little background, Mother's Day weekend, as a family, my wife, Rebecca, and I, our sons, Zacchaeus and Grace, drove to Omaha to spend time with them, Mother's Day weekend. Essentially, it was a goodbye trip. And it was a trip that was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard to navigate. It was essentially honoring her wishes, what she wanted to have celebrated at her celebration of life service when she passes. And all these things that she orchestrated said, I've been thinking about this and this, and people are going to want to know this and this. But John Wesley, please tell me confidently that you'll do something for me. I said, what's that, Lord? Whatever your wishes are. She said, please present the gospel of Christ, giving an opportunity for people to respond. Boom. Absolutely, I'll do it. I'll do it to honor the Lord and to honor your wishes. Absolutely. Fast forward to yesterday. We did the service, honored all her wishes, Everyone who got to share, that was scheduled to share, got to share on her behalf. And as we declared the good news of the gospel of Christ, and we prayed and dismissed the service, a young lady in her late 20s, wife and mother, came forward, tears streaming. She said, Jonas, i got to tell you something. What you just said reminded me of what Laura's been doing for the last year in my life, even through her cancer, even through her struggle and difficulty in her cancer. She had shared Christ with me and I kept rejecting it and rejecting it. And today, I want to have peace with God. Would you introduce me to Jesus like you just shared? Praise his name. That is the Lord Jesus through the power of his spirit going forward. And I just want to say, watching by live from Stephanie, because of your act of obedience and surrender, you were ministering to me yesterday, and we celebrate you. You are a sister in Christ, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Give God praise one more time for what he's doing. That happened at 1220 yesterday. You need to know that because what God is doing is what he said he would do is he would meet us where we're at through the glory and power of his son, Jesus Christ. And today we're going to land in Acts chapter 2 in God's word. And so I invite you, if you have your copy of God's word, please open to Acts chapter 2. And we're just going to start dialing through what God has for us today because the reality that sets the stage for all of this and why this is absolutely necessary for you and I to be here because you're not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. God's word is teaching us something about ourselves. Because of sin and the fall of man, we all get misaligned. We veer off the path that God has us walking. We take our focus off Christ. We decide at some point we begin placing our value in things and our worth in things rather than looking at the value that God says who we are and what we have in Christ, and we get misaligned. And so there's a perspective shift there's a perspective shift that we're now confronted with today in our sin nature 
where we're misleading or misled that God is trying to realign us through the hope of the gospel of Christ. And what we're about to engage today, when we think about the finished work of the cross, that when we place our faith and hope in Jesus Christ, what he does, he does the realignment. He squares us up to reflect the image of God's goodness, and there we are reminded of our true worth and value and identity that's in Christ. And so within that perspective shift, all of us today carry in some sort of personal chaos. There is something going on in each of our lives that might be as big as someone carrying cancer, to someone going through a marriage difficulty. Maybe it's just struggling through education in itself of learning and adapting. Maybe it's a new job, or maybe it's an existing job that just keeps burning at you like something's not right and you're not sure where to turn or what to do. And so today is a day where we together engage God's word for a perspective shift and how God is orchestrating his presence in our lives. And there's that moment, you know, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, there's this moment that there's this light switch of faith that takes off where you're unshakable, where you're immovable, because you recognize that your worth and value wasn't in what you had to offer, it's in what Jesus did for you. And you begin to go with a confidence and a flow in your gifts, in your call, in your talents, and you begin to give those to the Lord as an act of obedience. You begin to find joy again. You begin to find excitement again in what God's called you to and where he's taking you. And so in this realigning moment with God, there's a change in perspective in that circumstance, in that chaotic moment, that you need to know that when you're connected to a church family and you know that people are praying for you, things begin to change. Because when we pray in Jesus' name, things change. In fact, in big kids ministry here at Blue Valley Baptist, in little kids, big kids students, we have the honor and joy and fellowship teaching children, students, for example, the Lord's Prayer. Teaching the Lord's Prayer, how to pray in Jesus' name. And I tell you something, our leaders who serve faithfully in our church family, when they are instructing and guiding children what it means to pray in Jesus' name, that changes us. We're hearing the lives of young lives to be able to confess Christ as Savior, to be able to hear young lives praise Him in their moments when they're just trying to figure it out. And we have leaders do what they do effectively because when we pray in Jesus' name, things change. There's a perspective shift, and that brings us joy. And all of our leaders, when they get excited about God's Word and ministry, it brings us joy as leaders here at the church. And so many of us today in that moment need a perspective change to be reminded of living our life with purpose, being reminded of our value that's in Christ and out of ourselves and a heart that's transformed by Jesus Christ. So, living transformed. What does that look like? What are we to do with it? Let's get a little background, a little bit of context as we engage God's Word. See, if we step back in Acts chapter 1, we begin to see the author Luke is pinning like he did the Gospel of Luke. He's highlighting the life of Christ, the significance of his followers, and what he was about to do. He was getting ready to ascend into the clouds. He was getting ready to for the Holy Spirit to be sent to empower them and say, get ready. He's about to just birth the church that they would go and be a light to this lost and dying world. And he's saying, and I'm going to use you to do it, to be transformed. So what happens as he's writing this, Jesus is sending the power and promise of the Holy Spirit that we've learned about, that there will be witnesses of his followers in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what that simply means is this, that where God has positioned you, church family, whether it's locally or globally, he's going to use you to be what? His witnesses. Okay, so that means if you have a surrender story for Jesus Christ, he's given you the ability through the power of his spirit to be his witnesses 
witness for the gospel of Christ. So Jesus ascends to the clouds, and there's one apostle remaining to be chosen. And so according to the scriptures, there must be 12. So what happens in the message here in Acts chapter 1, Peter's recapping the book of Psalms, and they say, well, we got to select a new apostle. So they're casting lots, casting lots, and it falls to Matthias. And so Matthias gets the lot. He is the 12th of the eleven. And so he fulfills that role, and we pick it up here in chapter 2, that God is moving, God is shaping through the power of his presence. So we're going to look here in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. We're not going to read the entire chapter. We're going to go in sections and highlight again the work of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Verse 36 says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were what? Cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent, turn and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you. Did you hear that? It is for you. And for your children, he's getting multi-generational. We're going to pick that up in a little bit. He's speaking this boldness. And for all who are far off, oh, everyone who feels like they're just in the, in the mud. They're off in the ditch. They have no purpose. And God's saying, watch what I'm about to do. He says, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What we have just read and heard together was saturated by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That when a person surrenders their heart and life to Jesus Christ, the scripture teaches that out of obedience to the call of Christ, that they need to follow in believers' baptism. Why is that significant? Because it's an outward expression of what's happened inwardly. Because of this surrendered heart, it's letting those both saved and unsaved witness and bear testimony of the gospel of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. It's a symbol to those who have believed and those who have not yet believed. So church family, what's happening here is that the Spirit of God is illuminating truth to clarify what they're to do next. So as we just read that, package, that passage, we're going to step back into verses 1 to 4 and take an overview. He say. Because wasn't there a mighty rushing wind? And wasn't there like something like uh, tongues of fire that fell? Well, check this out. That mighty rushing wind was the Spirit of God that came upon the apostles in the upper room. It was a sound that was like a hurricane, okay? It was nothing on the outside where everyone like listening, going, man, something's going on, okay? No, it was something that was happening inside, that they were being moved because the Spirit of God was illuminating truth for them to be together, in unison, because God was about to do something big. That mighty rushing wind was to declare that in that moment that the Spirit of God was resting on them. No one else could tell other than those 12. It wasn't an outward feeling. It was an inward experience. It was supernatural. It was phenomenal amongst the 12. The best thing I could describe is this. When I played college golf for Barton County Community College in Great Bend, Kansas, do you know where that's at? Pretty small town. That's where I went. We were in Ark City, Kansas, playing in a golf tournament. And that morning, we were faced with a torrential downpour. 
A torrential downpour with strong winds that suspended play permitted not one of us to be able to play because you couldn't see barely you know, a few feet in front of you. You just couldn't. It was terrible. We felt it on the outside. Yeah, that didn't happen like this. It wasn't like there was like this big cloud that rested. It was resting on them specifically, individually, and internally. And they knew something's different. Why? Because check this out. In the verses ahead of that is that what they felt on the inside and what was descending upon them as a symbol was like fire. It says in verse 3 that there was this symbol for the Spirit like fire. You know, it's like when Jesus was baptized by John and what descended from heaven was that dove. It was the Father saying, this is my Son who I am well pleased. And that approval came in the form of the dove. In the same way for them, it was like tongues of fire. And I like what one commentator says. John Philip states this. He said, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. This was the baptism of the Spirit. And they all partook of it, all of them. This mysterious baptism is symbolic flame, embraced them all equally. Peter did not give a special baptism. The humblest, the unknown, the unnamed believer in that company had just as much of this baptism, anointing and filling as the foremost among the disciples. God is no respecter of person. This baptism was not a special work of grace given to some and not others. The cloven tongue sat upon each one individually, equally, and indiscriminately. The upper room was spectacular, and it was passing. It came, and it went. It was recorded. It was penned that this happened. Why? Because they were ascending out. They were sending out the birth of the church, equipping, mobilizing to be missional. Missional focus for that the gospel of Christ would reach the hearts and the ears of those around. So they had this intimate fellowship experience where God was equipping them, empowering them to go. And as they went, God did something that he said he would do is he would mobilize them. And so you say, well, was this really necessary? Absolutely. The coming of the Spirit was the promise of Christ. And when they experienced this baptism of the Spirit... It gave them something in their unity. It broke down walls of division. In fact, in verses 5 through 13, it highlights that there were devout men of every nation in Jerusalem at that time. It was like the United Nations took a field trip to Jerusalem, and they were all just there. and had no expectation that this would happen. But God's like, watch this. Something big's about to happen. And so in this great multitude and congregation, some were educated Jews, some were not. Yet it broke down the dividing walls and they began to hear in their own native tongue and dialect and begin to process what was happening and how God was meeting with them. And as they were feeling like they weren't worthy, God was meeting them where they're at. Said, you're worthy and you're going to go and you're going to share and you're going to be missional. And so when we look at this and you think about the dialect and the language, we got people from, whether it be from Asia or Africa or Europe, they were able to communicate because of the dunamis, the power of God and his spirit as they experienced God. God was essentially getting their attention through this experience. And so we jump ahead to verses 14 through 21, where we get to see one of the greatest sermons ever preached by Peter, the gospel, and it exploded. It was like Peter was preaching one of these best gospel-focused, Christ-focused, Christ-centered sermons that has been recorded from now and here in Acts 2 and throughout church history that we would use as a template of boldness and compassion with the redemptive heart and spirit for those who were lost who don't know Christ yet. And in these verses, he was highlighting the Old Testament Joel. So he's around people that are really educated and say, I know you know something, but check this out. God's about to expand your mind of what you thought you knew to where he's taking you. So he highlights the prophet Joel and Peter with the 11. 
He was with the 11. He's standing there. He had this solid community of other believers. And he began speaking and proclaiming like a sidewalk prophet. Yet people weren't turning away. They were turning in to see. And he listened, what is happening? What is going on? And with boldness, as jarring as that might have been for that encounter, he's highlighting Jesus Messiah. The one everyone was neglecting, but he was bold because he knew God was for him. God was with him. God was filling him. And in that moment, he began to proclaim the good news of Christ, that this Jesus that you rejected has accepted you. Where you're at and what you're going through in the chaos of your life, God knows about it. And the purpose that he's bringing you through it, he knows about it. And the promise that you have within you, he's given you. Don't give up. Don't lose sight. And so in that moment, he's, he's proclaiming this message of redemption. His message was confrontational, but it was grace-filled, verses 22 through 40. And that right there just causes me to pause and say, when I encounter someone, when I know they don't know about the Lord Jesus, and you may say, they're offensive, they hurt my feelings. You know what? A grace-filled calling can look beyond that and see the deep need that there's a deeper issue at hand where Jesus Christ himself wants to reach in and pinpoint that to help people to turn from their sin and turn to him and experience this overwhelming grace flood in their lives. That is for each of us today to hear that and experience that in that way. And so Peter's proclaiming, he says in verses 26 and 27, he's saying, again, tapping into your intellect, I'm going to talk about King David here for a moment. He said, when David wrote in the book of Psalm, he said, therefore my heart, it was glad, he said, and my tongue, it rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. What he was saying is stop trusting yourself and start placing your faith in the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's pounding away the point to turn from sin, to turn to Christ, to surrender, to embrace the only hope. So as Peter was addressing everyone. He was addressing them affectionately. Like, think about it. Like, in the, in the multitude, what does he say? He says, brothers. He wasn't, like, distant from his brothers. Like, please hear me out. So he's calling their hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead according to the scriptures, and, he, and we were witnesses. Witnesses. Sharing the good news. Being proud of who he was talking about. Just like new parents. Who are you proud of talking about? Your kids, Right? You are so thrilled to talk about your newborn, your children. And that does never change. You love talking about your kids. You love your kids. And you celebrate that. When we experience someone coming to faith and repentance in Christ, they're a new believer. What do we do? We celebrate you. We get excited because you're a child of the one true God, of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We get excited. You know why? Because your eternal destiny has changed because of Christ. And you place your faith in him. And so what happens is he's, he's proclaiming, and he said, now get ready, watch this. He, he, he throws home this, this mark. He's like, but guys, listen, don't miss this. He's like, this defining moment when he speaks in the power of the Spirit, in verse 36, he says, let all the house of Israel know, so he's saying all of y'all, okay? All of y'all need to be listening up. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. And it was like, <clears throat> in fact, it was more like Peter standing there going, Mic drop, well, bam, uh, he got their attention. And you know what it says? They reciprocated. They followed up with, well, brothers, what do we do now? Well, bam, a double well, bam, because now he, was, he had their attention for the gospel of Christ where people were responding affectionately now. Oh, 
You're not speaking to me out of judgment or criticism. You're speaking out of the truth of God's love and compassion as a redemptive tone that captures the attention and the heart of those listening. And Peter's example did just that. They turned and he said this, that everyone, that everyone can be saved when they call upon the name of the Lord. So Peter speaks of this multi-generational promise in verse 39. He says, this promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off. He said, anybody falls in this spectrum. Where are you at today in this spectrum? Do you have a surrender story? Because if you do, you have the confidence of Christ. If you don't have a surrender story, we would love to introduce you to Christ. To embrace his confidence in who he is in your life and to work out his purposes in your life and to open your eyes to his truth in the ways that only God can do. This promise of God and promise from God is looking beyond their faults and meeting their needs, the needs to be forgiven, to be placed in relationship with Christ, to be baptized as an outward sign of the inward commitment. Look at verse 41. It says that so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. From now on, believers would be added to a baptized body. See, the baptism of the Spirit, that guarantees all believers in Jesus Christ a place in the body of Christ, adopted into God's family. No longer just a creation of God, bearing his image, but now the light switch of your faith has been turned on to now you have surrendered to Christ and you've become a child of God. No longer a spiritual orphan. Someone who now has the confidence and relationship of knowing God personally. You say, man, I keep trying, but I keep messing up. I keep failing. Yeah. We're living a fallen, messed up world. And I like what Pastor Derek said a couple weeks ago. We're all jacked up because of our sin. And we need the hope of the gospel and the redemption that Christ alone brings. And I'm so thankful that we are part of a ministry here in our church family that has that outward focus, that communicates that tone of a redemptive heart to say wherever you're at right now, we want to be there with you, walk with you, pray with you to see God the Holy Spirit at work and fill you because that is kingdom impact. This ongoing life-changing message of King Jesus, that one thing that we declare here as one of our five S's is that I, we will daily submit to Jesus as my King. That speaks volumes to this chapter here. And you and I are part of that. You and I are part of this kingdom opportunity. And that's for every one of us. These next set of verses, we get to see how the church was being the church. And I want to read to you from verses 42 to 47 as you follow along. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and of prayers. They were, they're having some food. They're saying, You hungry? Let me take care of you. Oh, by the way, let's pray. Okay, that's what they were doing. And it all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Oh, man. With glad and generous hearts. Remember that moment when someone just received you regardless what kind of day you had, but they were just glad to see you and they were generous towards you? How that made you feel? Yeah, that's the church being the church. To overlook those faults, to address those at a time that's appropriate. But when we pray in Jesus' name, things change, perspectives change, right? Well, that's what's happening. They're saying, hey, we all understand we're all jacked up. 
We all need help. We all need that redemptive component in our lives to be fleshed out, worked out, prayed out, to be together. And the church is being the church, praising God, having favor with all people. That means when people oppose you for your faith and your testimony, Jesus said, you are blessed. Keep going. Don't lose sight. Don't give up. Because it doesn't have to do with you in the first place. It's with Jesus. So when you're persecuted and I'm persecuted for his namesake, you're blessed. And that's what's happening in the church. They're saying, we got some things happening. We're going to work it out. We're going to make it happen because you matter to God and you matter to this fellowship, to this body of Christ. And you're worth the fight. How awesome is that? When someone is pulling for you, when you have the worst of days, but yet you have someone pulling for you, changes your perspective on everything. Overcomer because of Christ. And as they were praising God and having favor, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friend, what do we do with this? Well, number one, remember this. Spirit's prompting. My response to God, turn toward him, not away from him, but turn toward him to be forgiven of sin, filled with his spirit. Okay, spirit prompting. My response, sin forgiven, his spirit now living within me from now into eternity. At the moment of salvation, that is the Spirit's baptism. As you continue to walk with Jesus and grow in your walk with Christ, that is the filling of the Spirit. Why? Because He is empowering you to shift and to change in the ways that God is shaping you to reflect more like Christ. And when you are filled with the Spirit of God, there will be times where you're doubting or you're fearing or going through a circumstance. You're not sure what to do. The filling of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer helps guide us in Jesus' name to be able to, fun to funnel and find that step with our body of Christ right there alongside of us, that's what's happening here. And for each of our lives today, as it was back then, they're saying what was written then is happening right now. So that when you and I start thinking about our past and how jacked up it was, that Jesus starts reminding, but think about the now what I'm doing in your life. You're mine. You're my child. You are, you are saved. You are blood-bought. And you have a future and focus that's in Christ. That's for each of us, those who are saved. And so guess what? You say, well, what about those who don't know the Lord yet? <laughs> I didn't know the Lord at one point until I got to hear someone faithfully praying for me, being intentional with the gospel, communicating a tone that God loves me and God's for me to turn from my sin, which changed my whole perspective on things. And that was my moment where I surrendered to Christ. So when you and I can look beyond those barriers and begin to see the promise, the promise is greater than the problem. So remember, when you're being persecuted for your testimony of Christ, you stand strong, you stand confident to know that God is with you and he is for you. And so here's what we do. Here's our action today. Number one, living transform begins with surrender. Living transform begins with surrender. That's important for you and I to know. So if you've never encountered or surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that's the first step. That's your first step. If that's today, we would be honored to pray with you today. Whether it be where you're seated, you coming up front, whatever that looks like, we have a wonderful church family that wants to walk alongside you, nailing that down, that you know you know you're saved. That is a beautiful picture of the gospel of Christ. And so for most of us in this room today, maybe it's a, an impact of daily surrender where we're struggling with envy or jealousy or lust or pride and we exchange those things for the robe of Christ because he gave it. He gave it through his sacrifice and it's available to you and to me. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Why? Because of our church family that loves us and cares for us. You say, well, my family's really struggling through this time. Absolutely. Each of us are carrying our own personal chaos and we need to be reminded of that, what's available to us through the hope of Christ. And so if you're saying, I'm not really connected here, 
take that next step. Figure out a way. We'll figure it out with you to get you connected so that you begin to walk and mature and to grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus because living transformed begins with surrender. There may be some things in your life that have to go away. Some things that you know that are vices. You know what? As you begin to live a life of confession before the Lord and he begins to shape you and change you in the way that he expresses his forgiveness to you, embraces you, you begin to see those vices fall off. Why? Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit, his power at work in you, living transformed. Action item number two is this. Living transformed continues with faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to Christ and his call in your life. Faithfulness to the joy of your salvation to share with others the good news. Faithfulness in your calling at your job, your home, workplace, whatever it might be. God has threaded in his tapestry positioning you for this time and place where he has you. You're not here by accident. You know that? It would not be the same if you weren't here today. You matter to God. You matter to us. And you may still be asking why. Why in my circumstance? Yet when you are faithful to the Lord, he will begin to continue to give you clarity as you move forward. And as you get connected into the body of Christ, the believers, walking with you through what you're going through, it'll be life-changing. It'll be transforming. Because that's Christ in you, the hope of glory that gives us his body to support and love us through what we're going through. And when, even when you don't have any words to say, and you feel like you should feel guilty for being quiet, or maybe you should feel guilty for being still, because you're not quite sure, you haven't really told anybody what you're going through, well, maybe today you need to hear, in all of it, that you can be obedient to the Lord by being still and simply knowing He is God. And resting in His presence, allowing the power of His Spirit from Acts chapter 2 to minister to you, and cultivate within you the things that you need to be confessional about with him, to asking for forgiveness from him, to experiencing that new life and walk that you have that's in Christ. You didn't do it, he did it. And he did it for you and for me. And so living transform is this. It begins with Christ. And because it begins with Christ, he will sustain us by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit, which is for you and me today. Would you join me in prayer, please, church family?